What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 58th episode of Season 3. Today, we're going to be talking about Week 7 takeaways and Week 8 waiver wire. We're talking about a lot of takeaways today. There's a lot of really actionable stuff from the game, so I hope that you guys you know, got to watch some of the games. But if you didn't, we got you covered with the Week 7 takeaways and the top 10 picks on your Week 8 waiver wire. Before we get into the takeaways... I really, really, we have some injury news to talk about, rather. First of all, prayers up to Brees Hall. You may have saw what I put out on Twitter. Uh, Brees Hall, you know, obviously tore his ACL and is out for the season, um, which sucks. And I had him in about half of my redraft leagues, which really sucks. Uh, and that's, you know, unfortunate, but that is what it is in fantasy football. But we did get some good news in the injury front for both DK Metcalf and Mike Williams. Both candidates for being out for the season, especially because people thought DK Metcalf tore his ACL. Turns out to be an old patellar injury. We don't know when he's going to be back, but it seems like DK Metcalf is week to week. I bet that he's back within a month, if not a lot sooner. Mike Williams, thankfully, we got something similar. He had a bad twist of his ankle where his foot got cut under a defender and it looked really ugly. From what Adam Schefter reported, that it's going to be a high ankle sprain. It's probably going to be somewhere between two and four or five weeks. The good news, Mike Williams is a buy in week eight, which will give him an extra week or two to heal up, which is obviously fantastic for Mike Williams. So I'm hoping that, you know, him and DK speed up recovery. But most of all, Brees Hall, rest in peace. You know, he will hopefully be back next season better than ever. But man, what an electric talent that is, you know, gone for the season. But that's not what you guys came here for to me. Cry about Brees Hall. You came here to hear about some fantasy football takeaways. And that starts with the Jets backfield. Brees Hall is gone James Robinson is in. James Robinson playing with Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter is going to play more of the passing down role. James James Robinson has not got a lot of passing down work this year as he learned the Jets playbook. I would expect James Robinson to be a mid to low RB2, maybe high RB3. I think that Jets backfield has been productive this year. I'm just curious to see how much work they give you give him, especially when he's dealing with a knee injury a little bit. But I think that James Robinson, ultimately, the talent is going to win out. Michael Carter is nowhere near the level of Travis Etienne. I think Robinson takes over that backfield. If he's on your waivers, you should definitely be going to get him. I didn't have him part of this list, but we'll get into that later. But number one, takeaways. Gus Edwards led all Ravens running backs in snap share at just 35%, but he did have a touch on 16 of his 23 snaps. The Ravens have yet to give a running back a 60% snap share this season. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but Gus Edwards definitely a pickup. In this role has been productive. The snap share is just never going to be there for the Ravens running backs. Number two, Terrace Marshall took over Robbie Anderson's role, ran 23 of 24 routes, had just three targets, two catches, 24 yards. As, no matter who the quarterback is, as long as it is one of P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, or Baker Mayfield, I am not picking up Terrace Marshall in any league. Sticking with the Panthers, Chuba Hubbard is the running back to own. Played 55% of the snaps to 35% before Deontay Foreman got injured. The Falcons are extremely worrisome. They ran just 19 total routes, passing routes, and trailed by 11-plus points for 50 minutes. This is the craziest offense we've ever seen where they were down 17 points in third and fourth quarter, and they were still running the ball 
It makes no sense. We thought this team would have passed a little bit more down this heavy, but Arthur Smith is you know, making a run at the worst coach of all time. This is terrible for Kyle Pitts. It is terrible for Drake London. I'm selling low on both of those guys until Arthur Smith is fired. Jamal Williams, double-digit carries in every game this season with or without DeAndre Swift. We don't know if Swift is ever going to get healthy. I would expect that he's back in Week 8. But ultimately, they are still going to feed Jamal Williams and definitely someone that should be on your roster and has been better, way better than we think. Speaking of going back to the James Robinson, how about Travis Etienne? He played 80% of the snaps this week, which is the second highest snap share of any running back. He had 19 to 20 running back opportunities. And I expect that's what he's going to get every week going forward, especially without James Robinson. Jamichael Hasty is the only running back in that backfield. I would expect that James Travis Etienne, rather, plays 80 plus percent of the snaps every week for the rest of the season and is a running back one going forward. Alec Pierce also had really encouraging usage this week. He played on 96% of the snaps. It was his worst game, you know, of the last five games where he's been really hot. He had just four targets this week, which is lowest over the last five games, but saw a career high 96% of the snaps. I would say that things are going to be better for him going forward, but Matt Ryan is benched. I am downgrading all Colts pass catchers for the rest of the season. Sam Ellinger is going to take over. I think that is going to hurt Alec Pierce a bit. Speaking of the guy that might get hurt a bit pretty soon is Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson played just 47% of the snaps for the Commanders, and Antonio Gibson had 39% of the snaps. Gibson has continued to look more explosive. It's continued to put up better advanced numbers. I think Brian Robinson's time, unfortunately, is going to be limited. I know he's a rookie. I know he's getting better. But Antonio Gibson is athletic. He's explosive. And he's the guy that is seeing more passing down work. I would be leaning on Gibson season long. I don't think Brian Robinson is going to last. A guy that I think that will last, though, Romeo Dubs. He, I know he ran. He did not have a good week this week with just four targets. But he did run 31 of 34 pass routes. Alan Lazard's banged up, and this team still is just hurting at wide receivers so desperately. If they don't make a trade, I think Dobbs is going to be a guy that is going to be fantasy relevant for the rest of the season. Another guy that's going to be more fantasy relevant is a buy-low candidate, Cortland Sutton. Did not have a good week this week. Jerry Judio played him again, but Cortland Sutton still ran a route on 44 of 48 pass routes. He's been the favorite target of Russell Wilson, who should be back next week. He's had a tough couple stretch of games, but a tough couple stretch of corners. I think things are going to be looking up for Cortland Sutton very, very soon. Got guy things might not look, be looking up for is Melvin Gordon, who played 51% of the snaps for the Broncos. Mike Boone got hurt. You know, which obviously helps, and it's just Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, and you would think that he should be able to outplay a 32-year-old Latavius Murray, but Latavius Murray is the guy they gave the goal line snaps to. He's a big, big, big dude, and I hope that they're going to play Melvin Gordon more, but it doesn't seem like Melvin Gordon has that much juice left like he did last year. just does not look as explosive, and yes, he's going to be playing the majority of the snaps, and he's probably the closest thing to a running back that is going to be the starter for this team. But I think ultimately that Melvin Gordon is not going to be that great down the stretch. And it's going to be hard to trust him week to week. Speaking of hard to trust week to week, how about Marquise Goodwin? I'm not picking him up from the Seahawks. He had two touchdowns. DK Metcalf will miss a few weeks. Either way, Marquise Goodwin in nine seasons has one finish inside the top 80 wide receivers. Love the story. Love the player. Just don't love him for fantasy football. A guy I do love for fantasy football on the same team is Kenneth Walker. 75% of the snaps this week and 66% of the pass routes. That is the key snap, that key stat to know. He's finally taken over the passing work. I don't think he even had a catch in this game or a target, but the fact that he is seeing the passing down work is very, very good. Guy that's seeing, you know, the good stats from the passing, 
but not necessarily the usage. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a sell-high candidate for me. He ran just 67% of the routes. He's been consistently below 80 85% of the passing routes every week. He has had four plays of 40-plus yards, which is great. But I think week to week, he's very hard to rely on. He's had a couple nice games the last two weeks. But I don't really think that lasts, especially when he's running such a little percentage of routes. And I think that he's going to be inconsistent. Same way with McCole Hardman, who ran just 21 of 37 routes. I know both these guys are playing, making big plays and playing in this really good offense. But I think every week it's going to be someone different. Mahomes said it before the season. I don't think that Juju, Hardman, or anyone outside of Travis Kelsey is going to be a consistent option week to week. Speaking of that... Who has been a consistent option week to week? Raheem Mostert, the final takeaway of the day, played 71% of the snaps and over 70% of the pass routes. Seems like he's over that knee injury. He still has four straight matchups coming up against all bottom 10 run defenses. Things are very much looking up for Raheem Mostert. We've been talking about him for weeks on this podcast. That he's a buy-low candidate. He's going to continue to play, be a smash play for the next few weeks and the rest of the season. But with that being said, those are the takeaways. Let's get into the week eight waiver wire. And that starts with Michael Carter. Brees Hall is done for the year. Michael Carter had 84% of the non brees Hall snaps. I know James Robinson is going to be there, but I think Michael Carter is going to be playing a passing down role, a significant role. And James Robinson is, you know, still the guy you should be looking for, but he's owned in such a high percentage of leagues. It's going to take him weeks to get to speed in the offense. He's dealing with a knee injury and he's coming off an Achilles injury. I know I said that James Robinson, I think he's going to be a running back two or high running back three. But if this, you know, knee injury is, you know, a little bit concerning, I think there's a real chance Michael Carter could be the guy that takes over this backfield a little bit. The next guy I want to be targeting is Chuba Hubbard. The Panthers offense is terrible, but I mentioned earlier he played 55% of the snaps to 35% for Deontay Foreman before injury. They said Hubbard was ready to come back in the game, and Hubbard did have a few big plays, but I mean, sorry, Foreman had a few big plays, but ultimately it was Chuba Hubbard that I thought was the best running back in this backfield for sure, and the team thought that with just the snap share that they were playing at that time. So I think that that is ultimately where I am going to be going for that. The next guy I want to be targeting, Gus Edwards. Played just 35% of the snaps. No running back is at 60%. Like I said, J.K. Dobbins is due back. But ultimately, Gus Edwards saw two touchdowns. He was getting touches while he was in. He's only going to get more work coming off the ACL. It's just going to be a matter of time until J.K. Dobbins gets back. And that's ultimately when things, I think, are going to be changing a little bit and are going to get a lot better for you know, J.K. Dobbins, but ultimately Gus Edwards for the next few weeks is a must pick up. Another guy that's a must pick up, Wandale Robinson. 25% target share this week, was second among all Giants pass catchers in routes, and is rising in snaps. They said he'd play him a lot more this week. Like I said, second among all Giants wide receivers in routes. I expect it to be first as early as next week. 30% target rate last week, a 25% target share this week. Daniel Jones loves him. He likes targeting him, and that led Daniel Jones to being another waiver wire pickup. Daniel Jones is now in the top 12 QBs in fantasy football. He just passed for 200 yards with 100 rushing yards. Wandale Robinson has finally emerged a consistent option for them. You know, they should get Kadarius Toney back. We don't know what he's going to provide. Maybe they'll get Kenny Galladay back, and he's not going to provide much. But the main thing, Daniel Jones is putting this offense on his back with Saquon Barkley. They're both running for a lot of yards every week, and that has led Daniel Jones to being a consistent fantasy option every week, finally with his best week of the season this week. And I think that he's someone that is also worth an add. Josh Palmer is probably someone that people should all be thinking about in your fantasy football leagues. Mike Williams might miss the next few weeks, even though they do have a bye week. 
Just don't forget that Josh Palmer has seen eight-plus targets in three games this year. If Mike Williams misses time, Palmer is the guy that is going to benefit, especially on the outside. Another guy that you know was a benefit, it was higher on this list, but just moved down, was Paris Campbell. You know, he played just under 100% of the snaps and has not really commanded targets at all this year and had a really great game against the Titans. Has a great matchup next week against the Commanders, but it's going to be Sam Ellinger, at quarterback. I know that Paris Campbell, you know, needs to be a pickup this week because, you know, he had a really good last two weeks, but his average depth of target has been right around five to six yards. And now that Sam Ellinger is a QB, and we don't know if he's going to even have a, you know, great rapport with a guy like Paris Campbell, who has never been good outside of a couple you know, stretch games throughout the course of his career. I'm just not sold. I think he's a lot higher than other people's list. I just couldn't put him higher than number six. And I just I just don't know how to justify it beyond that. The only tight end that I have on this list this week is Greg Dolchich for the Broncos. He saw 75% of the snaps, nine targets. The biggest thing I wanted to highlight, he had a 19.7% target rate, which is phenomenal for a tight end. If that keeps up, whether it's going to be Brett Rippon at quarterback or to Russell Wilson, that target rate is fantastic for Dolchich. He is seeming to be the clear tight end one for this team, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets over the 80% to 90% threshold at the snap share. At snap share. And if he can keep up that target rate, he is going to be solid for fantasy football for the rest of the year. Another guy that's going to be solid, hopefully, barring injury, is Nico Collins. Came out of last week with a groin injury, but the biggest thing I wanted to highlight is the highest PFF grade among all wide receivers in the Texans, and he leads the Texans in receiving yards, even with Brandon Cooks there. And Brandon Cooks is, you know, been putting a lot of trade talks. And if Brandon Cooks leaves, Nico Collins would be the clear wide receiver one. The trade deadline is a little bit over a week at the point when you're listening to this. And that would say to me that, you know, Nico Collins, a sneaky pickup, especially to see if they trade Brandon Cooks to the deadline, that would be really good for Collins, who's been good this year, like I said, leading the Texans receiving yards, worth a pickup. The last guy that I want to talk about today that needs to be a pickup, Isaiah Pacheco. I know. He is picked up in a lot of rosters, especially on Yahoo. But they said he was the starter. And now the Chiefs are heading into the bye. I know they played less than 33% of the snaps for Pacheco this week. and But Chris Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played the least snaps of any Chiefs running back. And Jarek McKinnon and CEH have not really looked that dominant. And I think after a bye week is when we see these you know rookie running backs start to really take a stranglehold on their backfield. And especially in this Chiefs offense, with this Chiefs offensive line, with the talent that Pacheco has that really fits this outside running zone scheme, I think that that is going to benefit you know, Isaiah Pacheco a lot. It definitely does not benefit slower guys like CEH or older guys like Jarek McKinnon. It does benefit McKinnon more. But these powerful, fast, strong outside runners like Isaiah Pacheco are the guys that benefit the most. They said he's going to be the starter for a reason. And I think in other game scripts against worse run defenses that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be an option. I'm saying that he's on this list, not because of his ownership percentage, but where I think it is going to go, especially with the bye week in tow and he didn't have a great week. So people are going to get discouraged and dropped him. If he's out there, I would definitely be picking him up. And that is it today for the Week 7 Takeaways and Week 8 Waiver Wire. I hope you guys enjoyed. I appreciate all the support and you listening all the time. And as always, you guys already know. Please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.